The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show Zara Lightway, who has spent much of her time and energy looking into ways in which we can help our children enjoy their education in a much much, uh, more profound and powerful way than our current school system allows. So, Zara, welcome to the show. Thank you, Peter. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you. So it would be really useful for our listeners to hear a little bit about your own story to begin with and, and, and what you discovered in terms of the traditional school system and, and why that isn't working and, and what we need to do differently. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I taught in, in the public school systems here in America um, for about eight years. And during that time, I noticed a lot of really excellent practices and ideas and reforms and programs that we wanted to do in schools. And I also noticed that every time we added something, we didn't take anything away to make space for it. And we also still kept measuring it in the same way we'd been measuring the previous programs, mostly through testing and so forth. So after a while, I started asking myself, you know, what would happen if we could do all of this without, you know, it was like being asked to run a marathon with your feet tied together, yeah? What if we could, you know, get our feet untied and run with it and really, really do what we knew to be best practices in terms of children in their learning, um, engaging them, um, opening up possibilities for them in the world through their educational experience. So... With those thoughts in mind, I actually left the public school systems and then went back as an administrator to bring a program, the International Baccalaureate Program, into the system. And if I needed any more convincing that there was no way the kinds of changes we would want to make could happen inside the system, then I got it there because... Um, there was a lot of effort put in from parents, from administrators, from, from everybody to get this program in place. And yet the end result was very, very far from what it needed to be in order to actually um, really fully do that program, which was a very holistic type of program and quite worthwhile. 
And much of that was because, again, the, the assessment part, the testing part, was still aimed at how we'd been teaching before and didn't allow space for the way we wanted to do it. Now, so I got to realize from that, actually, it was a great experience. I realized that the change had to come from the outside, that we were going to have to do it ourselves. And the system really couldn't change enough um, to accommodate what we now know about children's learning and, well, human learning, how we all learn. And going back to, to, to the baccalaureate, which is a really good example yeah. because it's a motivating uh, uh, concept for a lot of parents because it's, it's very enriched, it's very powerful, it is holistic, and yet yeah. it has, still has that old mechanism of, of testing within it. So how, how, how does that uh, impact kids in their learning and, and their, their love of life and love of learning? The testing. Well, first, let me correct the piece about the IBE. Well, the IBE does have testing in it, especially at the upper levels of, um, you know, high school. There's major exams. The level I was teaching at, there was the middle years program. And that they actually use different types of assessments, rubrics and portfolios and things that we now recognize as being much better ways to do it. We just couldn't do them really properly because of this other testing. So the problem with the testing that we're doing, standardized testing, and I've talked to just this week, I've talked to people in Australia, I've talked to people in England, people in the US, and everyone's saying the same thing, that to different degrees, this testing is ruling our education. You know, it started out as a tool to see how we were doing and has become its own monster um, in that everything now is all about these test scores and how well a child does on a test. So unfortunately, what that's doing for learning is it's, it's removing context. So, for example, if you want to learn, if your kids want to learn about Egypt, and you know there's a standardized test that's going to answer, ask five different things about Egypt at the end of it. But those aren't really the things your kids are interested in. But you teach them those little bits anyway, with no other context around it. Then those little pieces they've learned about Egypt won't really make sense because they don't fit into the larger picture, right? Because they don't have a larger picture. So with the standardized test, what happens is um, the children take a test over a few objectives, say in mathematics, can they add three-digit numbers and so forth. And then the school takes those, those um, test results and says, all right, where are the gaps? Let's go back and find the gap. And then they do what's called response to intervention to teach just that little piece of objective, just those pieces to the individual students that miss them, how to pass them, how to grasp that concept. And that sounds okay on the surface, but again, it's devoid of context. And what we do know cognitively is that the way humans learn in a lasting way and in an engaged way, a meaningful way, is through context, through forming a big picture within which to put ideas and then to be able to manipulate that and change it and move it and, and do things with it, right? Applying that knowledge, applying that learning. Um, so Egypt is a great example. At my school in Texas, we did Egypt as a topic. The children chose it. And they had free time every afternoon. And what they decided to do was build an Egyptian city out of blocks, just totally off 
their own uh, their own energy, their own decision. Let's do this, and that was what they wanted to do with their playtime. And what did that do? That created a much larger context, even, and helped them integrate the knowledge. They were even researching what kind of animals would have been in Egypt at that time. I never said, "Oh, you're going to be tested on what kind of animals there's going to be at that time." They just went and looked it up themselves because they wanted to make sure they had the right creatures there showing. So. Um, Everything that that type of activity gives to learning, testing takes away. And it leaves the children just floundering around with this idea that as long as they pass the test, all is well with the world. And if they don't, of course, they're absolute failures, which is a whole other conversation because the, or maybe it's not, but also the cycle of testing is setting up a cycle of failure for a lot of children and they're losing their confidence. And the other big piece, of course, is that it is standardized. But when you think about it, there's about a 12-month difference between a child that was born, you know, right before the cutoff date for a new school year and a child born at the end of it. That's a huge developmental difference at six, seven, eight, nine years old. And yet we're telling them, you must all know the exact same thing at the same time. So beyond the age gap, there's also the, the question of, is that appropriate? I had a child that at fourth grade age, 10, couldn't add the two-digit numbers. But if you asked him where, do we have a book about lions, he could go to the bookshelf, there were six of them in the room, pick out the book and turn to the exact page because he was just very, very gifted in that way, you know. So the testing is, again, it's trying to make the children all the same. It takes away the context out of the learning and it leaves them just in void of having some facts and figures and a little bit of information here and there that they know that they can find, you know, know enough to bubble the right answer. Um, and there's a counter-argument to it, which I won't give, unless you want me to, but I did actually interview a school superintendent one time that, to find out why people like the testing. <laughs> I, know, I know the answer to that. <laughs> it's, it's a very safe place for teachers who are grow, who most teachers were successful in the old system, so they're very happy to uh, recreate it, aren't they? Yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, you know, the other part, though, Peter, was he he was a, a scientist. He's approaching teaching and learning as a science yeah. only, rather than as a science and an art. And he really, truly believed that. If we just keep testing and getting enough data and finding out where those gaps are that I mentioned earlier and just keep plugging them, eventually we'll have the perfect system because we'll be able to make sure every child does know the same thing at the same time and they're, they're all successful at doing that, you know. There's, um, two as there's two aspects of this. One is that some kids are just good at tests and no don't necessarily know the material well, and some kids know the material really well but don't test very well. So you don't you're yeah. not actually measuring anything. And and uh, and secondly, Absolutely. the the emotional uh, impact on some of the kids for testing it's a huge anxiety, isn't it? Yeah, um, it is. It's actually horrible. I remember when I was in the art school. And it was testing time, and there was a 10-year-old and his mother. We had a big conversation. She said, he lost five pounds in body weight last week. You turned 10. Uh, they didn't weigh that much to begin with because uh, he was really stressed out about the test. And this is a child that actually didn't even miss a single question. But they are yeah. totally stressed by it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's terrible for their, for their, their, um, their well-being overall. Uh, 
And the other thing we don't do is we don't teach the kids about their own developmental process in terms of the age that they're at and what they're going through inside themselves. Yeah. I mean, that should be the biggest topic of all at school, but it's not touched on at all. Absolutely, yeah. Well, there's not time in the curriculum. <laughs> you know, <we> that <laughs> was the favourite. When I was the school principal, that was always the favourite comment by all teachers. We don't have enough time to cover the material. And I said, don't worry about it. Just teach what you believe to be the best the best thing the kids need to learn. But there you go. Yeah, and you know what? That relates to when people say, what do you teach? And if you say, I teach math or something. But really the answer is, I teach children. Absolutely, yeah. Right? And that's got to be the bottom line is, is really, who, who are you? Who are you being? Who would you like to be? How do you want to operate in this world? What are your passions? You know, and instead of starting with a child and saying, aha, let's find out who you are so we can help you create your life, we say, oh, you're a child. You're born on this day. You belong in this room at this time, and here's what you must learn. It yeah. just doesn't quite make sense. So, Zara, we're going to go to break now, and when we return, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about a better way. It's Peter right, Tone for Awakening like to Conscious Co-Creation. I know you will. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Being Outside the Box is your thrival guide to living outside this reality. Are you always waiting for your ship to come in? Do problems happen to you? What if you created your life rather than sitting by waiting? Do you live in the fantasies of this reality? Winning the lottery? Waiting for your prince, princess to come? Even being healthy? Do you always do what is expected of you rather than choosing for you? What if the rules didn't apply, and what if you could thrive from a different space? Join host Lynn Waldrop for Tools to Being Outside the Box. Listen Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.petertongue.com. 
uh, where all of our shows, all 250-plus shows, are on the website, archived alphabetically and chronologically. And all of the past newsletters telling you all the information of what we have been up to in the world of conscious co-creation. I have with you today Zara Lightway. And Zara, um, I'm going to ask you this question because some people may be wondering how there is a connection here between uh, talking about education and educating children uh, in a different way, which we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. next, and awakening to conscious co-creation. So what's the connection? Well, I'm glad you asked me that because um, the relationship is quite profound, actually. So when we're talking about conscious co-creation, right, the first thing I think of is it being, is is that second word, sorry, the first word, is conscious. Yeah. So we're all very conscious about what we don't want in terms of this education. And the what we're doing now is becoming very conscious of what we do want. And then what we're advocating is coming together to co-create that. Yeah. So the, the actually the mission of Lightweight Schools, which is where I'm working through, is to co-create a worldwide network of consciousness-based learning environments. Those are the first few words of it. And what that has come to mean, I've come to understand it to mean over the years, is what it is now, which is to work with parents, people outside the system, to come together in community and through a contributionist type of approach and through bringing a conscious awareness of what they do want into the picture to create these new types of education in communities, in small communities. So... What we're really going to have is lots of different versions of what new education looks like that are very customized to the particular people and community that they're happening in. So let's just backtrack. Let's just backtrack. Absolutely. Let's just backtrack for a minute, though. So let's just fill in the gap of having left the traditional school system and and understanding why that uh, is problematic. What was the next step for you? Well, the next step was really, well, I thought, you know, it's been a journey. But first, when I got clear, right, that changing it from within the system wasn't going to work, I thought about doing a charter school, and then I realized we'd still have to do testing. And then I thought, you know what, let's just create a school that's got all these great practices, Um and that's what I did. And so I opened that school. Found out I didn't really like running a school. But beyond that, I realized, you know, there's a problem here, and that's access. Not everybody can access private education. And we can't give it away entirely because, because it costs money to actually do it. Right? So then I went back to the drawing board, and I realized, oh, and I started saying, well, what if parents could do it? What if parents could do it? You know what? Parents can do it. And, but they're going to need some help because they're not in education. And like I just said a, a minute ago, the parents now, a lot of parents now, know what it is that's not working for their kids. But to actually articulate what it is they do want and then create a program around that to talk about principles of education that, that would give them what they want for their kids and turn that into a program is not as easily said as and, and done, right? They really need some help with that. So that's where we're going with it right now. So that so within North America, certainly Canada and the US, there's a big movement away from schools to homeschooling 
But as yeah. you say, it's very hard for parents to know how to do that. Exactly. So, you know, I've spent several years now talking to parents around the country and around actually in various English-speaking countries for the most part. And they've all said kind of the same things. You know, there's a lot of different fears that they have about letting go of the old system, which is part of growing in consciousness, yeah, recognizing the limits of the old and getting ready to embrace the new means we have to go through our fears. And so um, we're providing now a lot of help in overcoming those fears. Right? And what are those fears, Sarah? Well, there's a lot of different ones, but one big one is, in terms of homeschooling is always, you know, how will my children get socialized? Um, so the way we present it at Lightway is look at, is to reframe that question even and say, well, first of all, let's look at the type of socialization they're getting in in a traditional school environment, which is single age. Does the single age environment actually exist anywhere outside of a school? No, it doesn't. So in what way are they really being socialized to operate in the real world that, that we concerned and want our children to be prepared for, which is completely understandable, yeah? And then, you know, another thing parents are concerned about is college. And nowadays, of course, there's just so many different ways for children to access college or university. And it doesn't have to be through traditional high school and traditional school at all. And colleges are starting to wake up to the idea that, that children that have alternative types of education, including complete unschooling, um, make valuable additions to their campuses and, in fact, seem to do a whole lot better than, in, especially in terms of maturity, which is the, going back to what you were saying earlier, right, about who are we being and who are the children and helping children develop and grow as people. Yeah, so often traditional systems that, that dictate everything that you're doing, even what time you get to pee and what time you get to eat. I mean, when you really think about that, it's like, really? Human beings have to be told when they can and can't go to the restroom? This doesn't make sense, right? So they come from that kind of environment into the freedom of university. And a lot of them, there's a huge number. I've heard numbers up to 50% or higher of students that don't make it out of their first year of college and often... Sometimes it's lack of academic preparation, but most often it's that they don't know who they are and why they're even there. And then now they've suddenly got freedom for the first time to make certain decisions that they could have been making way sooner, but they, they can't handle it, right? They're just, they're, they're, they haven't learned self-control, which also, and self-governance and all of those things, which is also related to play and, and playing, which is another topic if we have time that we should talk about. But then uh, another big thing parents have afraid of is how will they have time? How will they have time to homeschool? And this was actually a big piece for me in, in um, sitting with this whole question. Well, really, truly, if you've got two parents who work, how could they have time to do this? They can't. They can't just not work. But here's the beauty of the contributionist approach is that if several groups of parents come together, somebody does have time. And somebody can be training and getting the, the knowledge that they need to really do new education and actually be doing that with this group of children while the others work and the people that are working can contribute something else. And or once you're free of the schedule of traditional school, right, you've got to let that go, 
you can have school anytime you want. It doesn't have to be Monday through Friday. Maybe some parents could work with the children on a Saturday. You know, there's just no limit to how we can do this when we come together and create, um, I guess the easy way to call it would be homeschooling communities, conscious communities of education. Well, it's interesting that it's the, one of the statements has been that it takes a community to raise a child, and that's what you're talking about, really, isn't it? Part of raising yeah. the child is educating the child in a in an appropriate way, and certainly within the school system, there is so much time wasted on mm-hmm. material that the kids are never going to use anyway. That that there's no motivation; it's just filling time work. And when you actually become efficient at using your time, which may be play. Uh, then, as, as you say, the emotional maturity of the children just skyrockets through when, they, when they're receiving the appropriate support that they need. Yeah, it does, absolutely. And then, you know, the other thing that helps them with that is being with children of different ages. When you're the older child, you get to teach the younger children and share what you've learned and share your wisdom. And when you're the younger child, sometimes you get to teach too. But you get to feel taken care of and you learn how to interact with these older children and you learn from them. And and there's just this beautiful, I guess, coherence and community that just naturally evolves out of a multi-age classroom. I saw it in my school. The older kids decided to, this seven-year-old who had come from a Waldorf background, Steiner schools, and hadn't learned to read, which was absolutely fine by us, but he decided he wanted to. And you know what? Within a month or so, he did. And I didn't actually sit there and teach him. The other kids taught him. It was that easy. And in a month, he was reading quite quite well, actually. But so, um, and then the play aspect, you know, there's, I mentioned it earlier. Um, many traditional schools, more so here in America, I don't know about Canada. I know in Australia they still have break time and recess that we call it in America. But a lot of children aren't getting it at all. Not at all. There's not five minutes they go out and they just play. And um, it's actually kind of criminal and it doesn't really serve us beyond that. But they're not getting to run around and they're not getting to have that type of inventive, creative playtime. And children learn socialization more than anything through play, through acting out roles, through copying adults through their play. Uh, It's actually quite brilliant. I know. Sadly, uh, my my son-in-law, who who used to work in a, one of the inner city schools, uh, in his grade four class, came to the realization that some of the kids didn't actually know how to play. Oh, Never no. had the experience. Really? Yeah. Oh, so it, yeah. so he had to provide opportunities for them to learn how to play, which was fantastic. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. That makes me want to cry, though. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> I know. wow, children don't know it? how to play. Yeah. Yeah. I just talked to a lady yesterday in, in England, in Pembrokeshire, and um, she loves working with children around art. She says when she first gets them these days, all they know how to do is like draw around something. And after a year or so with her, they're creating incredible works of art that are coming from within them. You know, so, so the other effect of making everybody the same is everybody's the same. <laughs> well, I remember the, the the first thing you do in art is to color within the lines, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's the, I first, know, it's the first limitation. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So I'm not sure from our listeners' point of view, this is this is uh, looking at uh, education of children from a very, very different perspective. And I can tell you, having spent 30 years in tradition, very, very good traditional university prep schools, we're really uh, pushing the edges, the boundaries here for people to appreciate this. But I now know from uh, that wealth of experience that we actually – have created, as uh, Zara said earlier, a bit of a monster, particularly around marks and testing. So when we return from this break, we're going to talk about alternative ways of doing education and how you can actually do this outside the school system extremely effectively with the help of uh, Zara's new program. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. It has been foretold that this is a time of great change in the consciousness of the planet. What is the paradigm shift required to usher in a new reality? Join avatars Peggy and David as they introduce a new and fresh living spirituality which will stretch you and cause you to question everything you have learned on your spiritual journey. Tune in every Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel for The Avatars, ushering in a new beginning. And get ready for a provocative discussion that will challenge many of your most cherished spiritual beliefs. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. I'd just like to take this opportunity to thank our sponsors for this series of shows. Sherry Chase of Chase International Real Estate Company in beautiful Lake Tahoe and Reno, Nevada. And also the great support team at Voice America through my producer, Brandy Jackson, our regular engineer, Matt, who is with us today, uh, providing us with the opportunity through Voice America to bring such great guests to you in a variety of different formats in our spiritual awakening journey. And I have with me today Zara Lightway, and, and one of the 
sadnesses perhaps that I, that I've experienced is people talking about conscious community and bringing people together in this conscious awareness and then sending their kids off to a regular school system, which somewhat defeats the object. And for me, to create conscious community, having an alternative uh, schooling uh, system within pla- within that community is absolutely critical to the success of that community ultimately. So Zara, let's let's chat now then about what you would consider are the core principles of these alternative uh, types of education. Uh, first, though, I'm going to talk about the Universal School of Life up in Canada. Are you familiar with it? No, I'm not. No. The guy, oh, it's Deneuve is his last name. Deneuve, anyway, Universal School of Life. He said that he could change the world in three generations, and they started the Universal School of Life, which is using all of the principles I'm about to talk about, and they're on their third generation, and he's done it. Oh, wow. Uh, And so it's definitely worth a visit and looking at their website and checking them out. And it is a community, yeah. And you're absolutely right. None of this can happen outside of community, yeah. So, um, yeah, what we're talking about here is is a whole different perspective on where we with patient, right? What do we start with? Um, the emphasis started with a curriculum, and now what we're saying is let's start with the children, yeah. So the principles I'm going to share with you, most people are going to hear them and go, well, yeah, of course, of course. But then turning that into a program is another whole piece, and we'll talk about that after. Okay, so the very first one is simply attending to the whole child, right? We've got to look at the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, whatever that is within your value system, pieces of what makes up the human being and address all of that not just academic learning, right? And then the next one is community. Children learn from one another in a caring community, right? A community that encourages cooperation. And the next principle, which is collaboration. So we've got attending to the whole child within community and with a collaborative approach to life, right? And to problem solving, yeah. And then another beautiful piece and principle to include in any education system, I think, is this idea of social justice, which in a nutshell is about helping children see themselves as members of the global community, not just as an isolated, um, an isolated little area or just in their tiny piece of world. But a lot of that, and, and we'll talk about that in a bit, but it's a, a huge piece of social justice and teaching children. And how do you teach social justice? Well, the answer is actually you don't. <laughs> so um, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. And this next one is about motivation. Yeah, so, so far in, in our educational model, we, we really struggle with motivation and we're consistently feeling like we have to give children rewards for learning, right? If it's gold stars or grades or marks or whatever it is, there's some external motivation going on because it's like we have to keep pulling them along because they're not actually intrinsically interested in 90% of what they're being asked to learn. 
So we, it's almost like we have to bribe them and threaten them, punish them, whatever it takes, you know. So you punish, a punishment would be grounding a child for having bad grades. Well, they already feel pretty bad about that, so maybe punishing them further is not good. But if we switch that around and just say, okay, well, how do we create or allow for this intrinsic motivation, internally motivated learning to happen? When children are tiny, they don't have to be bribed to learn how to walk or how to talk or how to eat. They just want to because the need is there. And the same thing happens with learning, right? And then when there's an intrinsic motivation to learn, it tends to come from a child's desire to learn something and to learn about it well, to learn a lot about it, yeah? So the next principle of a of a progressive alternative education would be to encourage deep understanding. Right now we cover millions and millions of objectives and test them and blah, blah, blah. But what do we really want is, is to encourage and promote and give time for really delving into a subject and getting to know it and exhausting that subject as far as what that means for that child. Whatever they're interested in, they will go nonstop, and you know we've seen it, whatever children get into at one time, they can't stop doing it. And they'll sit, and whether that's a, a computer game or a particular set of books or, you know, photography, or I have a friend in Texas right now whose children are so into theater that it's just one play after another, after another, after another, and their lives are almost taken over by this. And so that's what happens when you allow for deep understanding is children get completely immersed in their topic of the moment and they they learn it to to the end of that interest and in that process they're also learning a lot of other things about themselves and about learning itself how to learn and then they can apply and, that learning to any other situation in the future exactly so often parents are concerned that you know maybe if they let children choose what they want to learn they're going to miss out and not get to keep up with all the other bits that are taught traditionally but what happens is when, you, when you've learned how to learn deeply and just how to learn, then any gap, perceived gap that you might have based on your changing needs, whether that's to go to college or to go and apprentice with somebody, you know how to fill it just like adults do now, right? Anyone at any point as an adult in this world can say, I want a new career. And what do they do? They go and learn how to do it and then go and do it. Well, children can do the same, yeah? So the last couple are active learning, right, where children play a role in designing their curriculum and asking questions and thinking through what's happening and taking part in it, like when the kids built the city because they were really interested in doing that, and taking kids seriously, yeah. So I don't see a lot of that happening in, in traditional ed. We have student council, but it's token I'm sorry, it is. It's just the way it is. But when we really take children seriously, we include them in decision-making, not just on their education, but in their lives, right? And that must be included. We talk about maturity, self-governance, and so forth. That's learned by actually having the experience of making 
decisions that are sometimes questionable, but we must allow that. We must allow them to to make mistakes and also sometimes to shine through their decision-making. But until we give them that opportunity by taking them seriously, by giving them the respect that they deserve as human beings and really listening and allowing them to have some direction and control in their lives, then we're not really going to create the kind of world that we want. Um, and what's really, what's really interesting for a second there, Zara, what's really interesting, yeah. uh, again, I discovered as the principal that one of the biggest issues in classrooms is teachers feeling the need to have complete control over their class. And in fact, uh, by having such tight controls, they actually are missing the point of empowering the children themselves. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, uh, you know, to be actually, Peter, I'm, sh- I'm ashamed to say it, but maybe it was a good thing. I was one of them. <laughs> well, of I course was. you were. You had to go through that to get it this to get to this point. Yeah, I, I was like crazy. I couldn't <laughs> even. I didn't even see it at first. It took my students to let me know because yeah. they're like, I'd be, I was even in their face, like, no, no, write it now and do it here and no, start right there and do this. And this girl looked at me one day. I was teaching ninth grade, which is fourteen years old, and she's like, she literally said to me. You're crazy, Miss Thompson, because that was my name at the time. I'm like, maybe she's right. (laughs) (laughs) I started to question the whole thing. And really, that was a turning point for me. I'm like, wow, do I really need to control that they're working right at this moment? In fact, what do I need to control at all? Hmm. And it was comments like that over the years for the children as I was being a serious part of the, the old system and learning it. Um, that helped me to start to see and question every every single, the whole foundation of how we were doing it. So it was actually a great experience. Yeah. So what you've, so, what you've outlined, yeah. what you've outlined then as core principles are, are fantastic and no one would disagree with what you've said, I don't think. But then the key yeah. thing is how you then put that into practice effectively. Exactly, yeah. So the program... It's actually quite interesting. Myself and my friend Terry Danlos in Arizona both designed the same school program at the same time without ever talking to each other. We even called everything the same. I found her website. I remember the day I found her website. I'm looking at it. Did she, like, find my website and put this together? And I thought, well, I don't mind, but I need to ask her because this is really funny. And it turned out that she'd never heard of me. We'd never heard of each other. But we got connected, and we've been great friends ever since. And the model that we created actually applies all of these principles and it's a model that is also very flexible so that um, so what I'm doing right now is teaching parents about this model and then helping them customize it to their community and to what they need so um, I know we've only got about a minute before the break, so I don't really want to get started. No, no, we it. won't. So we'll I'll just yeah. we'll just lead in. We'll just actually take the break now and lead yeah. into Epic, which is a great uh, an acronym title for this. And when we return, Zara will uh, fill us in on this opportunity for parents to have a great deal of assistance in resources, um, materials, conversations to help them uh, work this educational system for on behalf of their own kids and on behalf of their community it's peter tung for awakening to conscious co-creation
the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Be the change. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. I have with me today Zara Lightway, and as Zara was saying just before the break, that she and Terry Damlos, who didn't know each other, were both working on exactly the same process of a new form of education simultaneously, and I've been connected with them for some time now and know that they are both women of great integrity with only uh, the well-being of children in their hearts. And so uh, Zara is offering this phenomenal opportunity to parents who realize that the uh, traditional educational system is not working for most kids and that uh, there is an opportunity here through Zara's work, which she's done the groundwork for over many years, to really fast track and get themselves into a position to support their children in a new type of learning experience. So Zara, just uh, tell our listeners how they can connect with your work and tell us more about EPIC. Yeah, I will. Lovely. Yeah, EPIC stands for Empowered Parents Inspiring Children. And what I mean by that is empowering parents to create new educational models in their community so that their children can remain inspired and actually in turn inspire their parents. So what burst this was realizing and talking to parents who are already homeschooling or thinking about homeschooling and finding out that they want so much more than what they're doing very often, but they're not really sure exactly how to do it. And um, so I've designed it so that parents anywhere can access this training. And it turns out from talking to homeschool parents 
that mostly what they've got out there right now that you can get to help you with homeschooling is you can go online or go somewhere or go to the library or whatever and check out a curriculum that you can bring home and do, and it's a grade-level curriculum. But it's still traditional education the way it was done. It's being done. It's just that now you're doing it at home, and there's still this problem of, of, of how do you get the children intrinsically motivated when they're still doing this predetermined curriculum. So I'll start with the model that Terry and I created, which, is, which will give you an idea of how a day looks within an alternative setting. So at my school and hers, we started the day with some yoga, and then we did a short meditation. Well, actually, sometimes it was quite long. Uh, and at the end of it, the children created energy balls of light and healing and would send those out with their intentions to heal the whales or whoever they wanted to heal that day. And they would also bring into the circle people that they knew that were struggling and we would send them energy and and it was really beautiful. And then came the academic part of the day. And we did do academics and ours was designed to be a bridge between completely unschooling and mainstream schooling. So our academic part was multi-age, again, bringing the wisdom of, of that type of environment into play and the natural community that happens with that. It was democratic. We sat in circle with the children, and the children decided as a group what they wanted to learn about. And then it was my job, or it would be the parents' job, to create a unit of study that was around that topic just to kind of guide the children through it. Right, So we could go into the community and find things related to this topic or do activities in the school or go outside, build things, whatever we wanted to do, but that would help the children to satisfy their curiosity about this topic. And then the afternoon was a free school type environment. And at our school, the kids actually would teach each other classes and they would put that down on paper and post it up on the wall and uh, other kids and other adults could sign up to take the class. And then adults would also come and offer classes and uh, we offered art and theater and, and things like that. But the children didn't have to attend any of that and, and nothing in the afternoon was, was obligatory. They could just choose whatever they want. And if they wanted to spend their afternoon just reading a book or playing guitar or playing with a, uh, a camera and doing photography, whatever they wanted. So, uh, and then, you know, it was time to go home. So the model itself incorporates all of that intrinsic motivation. It incorporates the whole child. It incorporates um, deep understanding. It incorporates taking children seriously. It does it all very naturally. The scheduling like I said, can be very, very flexible. You don't have to do mornings of academics and afternoons of other things. You can do a whole day of one and a whole day of another or just however it would work for the community, right? The point being to create something that allows for all of those principles to be enacted or um, integrated and then allow it still to be flexible because so many of our systems, we end up in service to the system instead of it being able to change with us. So we don't want to create anything that's too set. So we want it to be flexible. Okay. So that said, how do parents get to do this? Yeah. So I, I put together a program. I thought, how can I help parents to do it? And Epic is a virtual course, but it's live. And 
So it's got six different modules that takes place over three months. And the reason I made it three months was even though we only have a call every other week, there's a lot of work to do in between the calls on the part of the parents. They really have to um, be ready to, of course, you know, be sitting and talking with their children and designing their program with them, right? And that's part of it. If you want to be an epic parent, be prepared to work with your children from the beginning of the creation of your program. We really highly, we don't just recommend it, we actually say that, that this must happen, this must be a part of it. Um, so every other week for these three months, there'll be a 90-minute group coaching call where we go through different modules and one of them is to go through what the fears are and how to overcome them and how to put a different spin and perspective on them. And then another one is designing your program. Yeah. And then there's another module about how to transition from parent to teacher and how to help your kids transition from a traditional school environment into a much freer environment, into a democratic environment. Um, that module actually is called Freedom to Choose Does Not Mean Anarchy. <laughs> Uh, we talk about that because the freedom actually brings responsibility. Sometimes people are concerned that giving too much freedom will result in chaos, but it actually results in the exact opposite. You'd be surprised. Um, so we start with where you're at now. We discuss um, different fears that there are. We discuss again and we look more deeply at the principles involved in creating an educational model that's alternative. We then guide you through the process of creating that and finding your community that will do that with you. And then we offer in between the calls, there's email coaching as well. And of course, you can always access one-on-one -on -one personal coaching. It's just not part of Epic. It would be something, you know, uh, that you would uh, advocate for for yourself, but we'd be happy to do it. Okay. Zara, we've only got a couple of minutes left, and you've also got oh, right, a, yeah. a a mini uh, course available for people to to experience too. Yes, yes, yes. So whether you're already homeschooling or you're thinking about it, there's lightwayschools.org. That's L-I-G-H-T-W-A-Y-S-C-H-O-O-L-S. It's plural, lightwayschools.org. You can sign up right now and get a free mini course that's going to introduce you to the principles and um, looking at all of the different concerns that parents have, and that will be delivered to you over the next three weeks. And that's like a primer for the three-month course, and I really urge you, everybody, to go and get that. Um, it's been beautifully put together. And then also, this fall, starting in September, I'm going to be going around leaving, I'm in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm going to be driving across the country to um, Ashland, Oregon, so coast to coast, and I'll be coming back as well. And I'll be going up on the northern side of the U.S. and coming back more towards the southern. I'm currently booked to present an epic workshop in the Chicago area in early September and in Sacramento, California in late September. And we're talking with um, other communities and people in various places that might want to host and have a workshop around these types of issues. There's several different workshops you can have. And if you'd like to me to come to your area, then you can contact me through the website. So we've got three things. We've got a tour and live workshops. We've got a three-month 
virtual live course, and then we have our, our complimentary or free free uh, three-week mini course that you can access. So I'm really hoping that this is going to be a service to parents to bringing this to children. We've, we've got to free them, Peter. We've got to free them from so much constriction and allow them to be themselves so they can really bring their gifts to the world. And we have to come together to do that. And it's going to really be up to parents now. And we're here to help you as parents. So Zara, that's that's we've come to the end of the show, and I really, really yeah. appreciate the time we've spent together. And I really hope parents do take advantage of this wonderful opportunity you're offering. So thank you so much yeah, for giving us welcome. this insight today. Thank well, you. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Slightly different in some ways than my regular shows, but not really. It's all part of this gathering community of conscious people. I'm really looking forward to next week's show with Norma Tarango, who is the woman responsible for the work in the Landscape Zodiac in the heart of the Valles Caldera in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. And we'll be talking about the Grail Cup of North America and beyond. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Uh, uh, have a wonderful week. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.